All right. Hey there, everybody. Uh, welcome to Little Wars. You are listening to Little Wars. And if you are listening to this, uh, Mongoose Kikimura needs your help. He needs your help to get more page views. And in order to help him, you need to give him your mom's credit. No, 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 no. Joining me today is my wonderful co-host, as always, Jack Karanet. Yo, buddy. Still alive? Absolutely. All right. And today we actually have a very special guest, a uh, friend of the show and uh, the guy that kind of runs a lot of my online stuff uh, for me in some capacities. Uh, this is our wonderful friend, uh, John. How you doing, John? Hello, everybody. In honor of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I have come not to bring peace, but a sword. And so in honor of that, I am going to say the N-word. Nagatoro. I was gonna say Necrons, but that works too. <laughs> you forget that this is a uh, this is a Lutheran podcast disguised as an anime podcast, disguised as a Monster Girl podcast, disguised as a uh, miniature wargaming and traditional games podcast. Maybe I should have said Nagas. Nagas, yeah, that works too. Okay, there we go. I'm. They prefer to be called people of the snake. People of the people of snake. <laughs> yes. People of Snake, uh, people of... Uh, here's a question I think that really needs answering. So yeah. if, suppose we had Monster Girls IRL, like, right now, would mm -hmm. Lamias be eligible for government disability since they don't have any legs? I think it depends on how deeply integrated we're talking here as far as the Monster Girl world. Like, if they're just freshly arrived and in small enough numbers, they could probably get the minority benefits uh, that the government offers to a lot of things like small business loans, uh, government housing, that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, if we're talking about they've been here all along, I, that's, you know, me not, probably not. There'd probably be government regulations on accessibility, like as far as ramps go. Well, I mean, I can't imagine a Lamia would have much trouble with stairs considering it'd be like at least 10 feet long. No, no, dude, I, I don't think stairs would be very good for it, because do you know how snakes actually move, what their method of locomotion is? Oh, I know. I mean, I might not have trouble with it. It'd still be bad. I mean, they'd probably have to use disability access ramps and stuff. Right, but... right. I think we'd have to have special snake ramps. We're, snake we're ramps. all missing the... We're, we're, all, we're all missing... <laughs> snake ramps. Yeah, we're all missing the point that they could theoretically get minority uh, benefits, just like the Chinese in South Africa. Mm-hmm. They yeah, could, but, they could be they could be classified as African American. What would I wonder? Oh. I wonder if we'd I wonder if we'd actually get like something like uh, articles like the the troubling white supremacy of snake girls or something like that. <laughs> well, no, it'd probably be something like uh, like leg uh, leg privilege. I, okay, so here's here's the question. So monster girls, as we know, are like implicitly European. They were like invented by our drunk Irish people and the Greeks, right? But the question so, is, are they white? Well, that's what I was saying. Is they're implicitly European and white? I I would say that they they have uh, a a, um, a European, uh, they have a European sort of set to them. So the the real question is, so a bunch of of monster women wanting to start like families that are white or at least white skinned. I think, I think the, the, the intellectual establishment would have a problem with that. I don't Toxic know because you're implying monster girl that, unity. You're implying that our, uh, our class of rootless, rootless cosmopolitan, cosmopolitan elites, elites would be the same. And in this kind of situation, I don't think they would still be human. I think they would be some form of like demonic monster girl or like shapeshifter perhaps. Well, I mean, okay. If we were to replace our current elites, elites. with, uh, with, uh, monster girls, 
yeah, I would. This is very Apollonian. Definitely be down with it. See now, now anyone wondering what does this have to do with traditional games? Uh, you 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 gotta you gotta understand. Everything has to do with what traditional games because it's called world building. I can say I can talk about anything I want on here and then just claim it's world building right at the end. And uh, bam, traditional games podcast. Boom, done. Mongoose, do you seriously believe that if they're still listening to this podcast by now, they're not used to the Monster Girl talking? Uh, actually, no, because oh. that's like kind of overblown to the amount we talk about it, I would think. <laughs> not this It'll, episode. Not this episode, no. If we didn't want to talk about this, we wouldn't have brought John on. <laughs> I think the only way we could have brought, made it worse is if we brought on a, a few other of our friends, but yeah. You mean better? Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> anyway we're gonna start uh we're gonna start with a um we're gonna start with our classic normal uh thing we do which the ah, classic yeah. normal thing we do is uh what was everybody's uh gate or week like in terms of uh traditional games uh jack you want to start sure so uh any so, good painting any good games uh yeah so i actually uh i actually got about five uh, new Terminator models for my Death Watch off of eBay for like twelve bucks. That was pretty. Are these good. the um are these the I shid my pants Terminators where they're like yes. standing there and they oh no <laughs> oh no except, except uh most of them are not sh- shidding their pants uh uh because <laughs> I actually uh the reason why they were so cheap is they were already in poses and they were already primed. No, it's because they had to be cleaned. Right. <laughs> Yes. Yes. So, th- so they're they're very clean. These are very clean Terminators. Uh, but one of them actually uh, was modeled with a like an Eldar spear or something, and it and it looks really nice. So, I don't know. So, I actually started painting those this week, and uh, and they're turning out pretty pretty good. Nice. Yeah. Cool. It sounds pretty cool. Well, um, yeah. I've I gotten back into. Uh... A little bit of uh, traditional games, sort of. Not wargaming, but as far as uh, role-playing games go, I've been doing a Shadowrun session uh, that I managed to find through Roll20, uh, which wasn't heavily steeped in uh, leftist politics as far as the uh, recruitment ran. And it's going pretty well. Oh, excellent. Yeah, that's Sounds- extremely rare nowadays, unfortunately. But uh, it, uh, they, I, I'm see, see, I'm like actually unfamiliar with this because I do most of my playing IRL or with mm-hmm. like people I know. So... When you're looking at these recruitment things, what do you mean by like leftist? Is there like just like pronouns and stuff in there? Uh, yes, there there is. Uh, pro- <laughs> that is actually one of the things that comes up. Unfortunately, that has also come up in my game, where one of the people who joined just immediately asked, "What is everybody's pronouns?" Uh, luckily, that wasn't met with resounding "Oh, so braves." But instead, a lot of like, "Wow, that's kind of weird. Why are you asking this?" Well, the Which only the only. Also- the only correct yeah. answer to like when somebody asks your pronouns is to be like his majesty, their majesty. Duh. Yeah, no, mal- I, I think even better, than that, even better than that is just uh, is like, well, if you have to ask, like you really should work on the social skills to be able to tell more naturally. Well, see, but that's aggressive. Because... This is like malicious compliance. <laughs> I get I get malicious compliance. Uh, I'm just too autistic for that. I like to be in their face about it. But no, real quick, let me read you my example of a heavily leftist uh, recruitment ad right here. So somebody Please posted, somebody posted uh, DMing an inclusive fantasy homebrew. Ooh. Based. Hey guys, I'm looking to DM a fun fantasy homebrew 5e game with some other newbie players. 
Uh, I'll play by the rule of cool, so it'll get goofy Nate, pretty newbie, quickly. Newbie players. Uh, the, see, that's yes. red flag right there. If somebody's like, I'm a, it's my, I, I'm new to the game, and now I'm going to DM again. Red flag. Okay, however, this red flag is like a tiny little like cake topper compared to the massive UN-sized flag that I'm about to read, okay? So mm. I'll play by the rule of cool, so probably get goofy pretty quickly. Red flag. <laughs> LGBTQIA friendly. No racists, turfs, or fascists. Talk. <laughs> turfs. Talk, turfs. Turfs. Yes, turfs. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no turfs. That's right in between racists and Guildhausen, you're not allowed. Yeah. Loritz is a fascist I just like, no Irish allowed with just, like, no turfs allowed. No it's turf. amazing. It's so well, mean. I like the fact that they stuck the turfs right in between the racists and the fascists. Uh, okay, here's the thing is, I also like that the differentiate between racists and fascists, because, like, yeah, yeah. this, like, totally vindicates my point that New Mussolini was a civic nationalist. <laughs> yeah, you can be one or the other. Um, yeah. Oh, hold on. He was, I... he, was, he was a civic fascist, I thought. Yes, yes, yeah. he was a civic fascist. Uh, as long as everybody believes in 100 million spaghetti strands tied together into the spaghetti uh, fascist <laughs> Uh, you can join our our super cool uh, <laughs> Italy movement. <laughs> we are the rainbow fascists, okay? Everyone uh, squeaky toy is noise, and then and then it, you know. All right, so no, but it says so. No racist turfs or fascist talk crap, get kicked out, and then down below below that there is the application: first name or nickname, age, gender slash pronouns. Okay, so first name slash age. My first name is. Let me think here. What is my What is Mon. my first name? Your, your first name is Mon. Your last Mon. Name no, is my Goose. first name is Marty. Okay, my first name is Martin. <laughs> um, or or Steve. Let's let's just go with like Dylan. Yeah, my first name is Dylan. My age. Uh, my name. How how old would I have to be to have served in the uh, in the um. Oh. Third SS Panzer, uh, eighty nine. <laughs> yeah, eighty nine. My name is Dylan, or no, my name is Otto. I'm named. I'm eighty nine. Uh, do, do you have a mustache? No, I do not have a mustache. Uh, that wasn't regulation. Oh, okay. <laughs> Darn. Um, what are my pronouns? You, uh, you, if your name's Otto, you got to have a, a a massive mustache, though. Especially oh, if it ends in like Vaughn something. Yeah. Well, it, it'd be like Otto Steinholm or something like that. Some like normie German name. Uh, and then no, like Gusenstein. No, no, that's too that's too aristocratic. All right. Uh and and then uh that then by my uh gender slash pronouns, uh my gender is male, my pronouns are Sturmfuhrer and Sturmfuhrer. <laughs> <laughs> hey hey guys, have you seen Stormfuhrer's uh his uh, Stormfuhrer's character yet? Stormfury, we need your character. Okay, I don't, I don't think this is gonna work out, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that that was a technical rank. It's not a, it's not like it's, a, it's offensive because it's, a, it's an army rank. You know, does if this, I, if okay. I'm eighty nine, it could have been my rank back okay. when I fought in the. Does this person, the... does this person seem like they lack the capacity for being offended at anything? I, I don't Actually, know. It looks like they they have the capacity to be offended at epic content everything. talking about right. pictures that the viewers can't see, the listeners can't see. Well, no, but they could they could they could hear what I read out the description. They can visualize this, it in their mind. Yes, visualize yeah. this person in your mind. They have glasses, yeah, uh, piercings, freckles, and piercings lots everywhere. of piercings. 
Yeah. A and nose the, piercing. And this is now, a hand if you if you have like a couple piercings in your ear, like your earlobe, that's like okay. You got like three in your earlobe. That's like okay, whatever. You did that, but then you got them in the nose. That's just like, chief. Are you asking for me to put one of those cow things and then tie a rope in it and pull you around? Like, what's what's the deal there? And I'm also, pretty sure. I'm also pretty sure notice. Oh, good. Also notice that this is a this is a drawn picture, so you actually have to add about 150 to 200 pounds to their actual weight. Yes, of course. Ouch. And I'm pretty sure. Uh, brutal. I'm pretty sure that those problem glasses are also pierced through the bridge of the nose like, <laughs> to keep them to keep them permanently attached. That's disgusting. Don't make me think about that. <laughs> no, when if I ever do a made homebrew, I'm going to include a knife made out of face piercings taken from like uh people that died of diabetes attacks or something just as like a weapon a legendary weapon or something god that's know. edgy i love it <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic hey uh, so more... yes anyway so so i i got into a good chat run group and uh i've been enjoying that good quote unquote it's you know what it could be worse it could be worse that is uh, always a good standard to have though you always yeah. think, what's the worst thing that could happen? And then you go, well, that's not happening. Things are fine. Well, if you want, okay, so if you want to hear an example of the worst thing that could happen, I was in a uh, D&D role-playing group for probably about three months. And uh, it well, had that six... is one of the worst things that could ever happen. You should definitely not be playing D&D. Yeah, it was a mistake. Sorry. It was a mistake. I realize that now. I didn't know any better at the time. But I got into this group, and there was uh, six people in it, including me. Uh, and then, well, six players, and then the DM. And uh, two of the players were lesbian women who were in a relationship with each other. Okay, that's not even good, and the, no. And the third one was a, a transsexual man who believed himself to be a lesbian woman and wanted to get in on the relationship with the Wait, other Wait, you lesbians. were playing with Chris this Chan? Is, this, <laughs> is like, this is like, this is like, a, like, like a chameleon with their colors. It's like it's like right. Yes, yes. I, I, I want this to. Yes. I, I want to. I, I I want to say, well, that's gay. But then I'm like, wait a second, is this a ruse? It's also literally <laughs> not wait. gay because he Jack, wanted to get Jack. with one of the women. The chameleon. It, this is more like a cuttlefish because, like, there are cuttlefish yeah. that will literally disguise themselves as a female cuttlefish to get yeah. past the other male cuttlefish. Well, there are uh, lizards that do that the too. Females. There's there's yeah. like a lizard that has five different genders, and one of them is like male disguised as female. To get past the the guard lizard. <laughs> Wait, when are when? So when it, when is an article coming out comparing us to that like humans to that lizard? Because like, dude, I've already seen like, it. That's like I've real. already seen it. I have already seen this. They use these like the presence of all these genders in lizards to justify the non-binary and like third, fourth, and fifth gender. But the, but humans. those but those lizard genders basically are the way people are adapting. Like like as we've described this dude though, so it's yes. like it's like it's real. Well, well, <laughs> yeah. at first at first it was the male feminist. Right. That that yeah. that that is that is the most you know widely. Jack, right. why why are right. you talking about rapists? This is a family podcast. Uh, sorry, apologize. Yeah, yeah. Man. Anyway, let's stop. Let's get off this subject. Uh, this uh, again, again. This is this is content, but we want wholesome family content. <laughs> yes, for all of those war gamers with families. Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> That that cut deep. That was that that yeah. I I, I didn't expect half the audience feels. literally just tuned <laughs> off. Ow. Sorry, sorry. Okay, I'm kidding. Oh, you're fine. Oof. <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, so mongoose, what about you? Have you uh, have you done anything? I restarted the, the traditional... D gaming I was I was running this week, uh, so that was that was all right. Uh, the players have finally learned that they can't just burn things down randomly. Yeah, I noticed that. I was uh, I was listening in there for a while. They finally learned that you can't just burn things down arbitrarily because you just decide you don't because something bad happened there to you. Is this like for a group of anarchists? What are we? What's going on here? Uh, no, these are actually our guys. I mean, they are <laughs> former libertarians. Oh, okay, okay, all right. <laughs> you um, have violated the NAP. I will now use firebombs on you. Well, no, it's not even That's that. Right. It's like, okay, we stopped in an inn, so people attack us in the inn. They're not even affiliated with the inn. One of them suggests they burn down the entire town. <laughs> <laughs> Well, to be fair, the town itself didn't uh, correctly maintain the NAP, so I guess, you know, it's a war zone now. Yeah, yeah. Great, great idea, everybody. Good work. 10 out of 10. 100 out of 100. <laughs> no, oh, um, we've had, like we've had a couple. I, I am, sort of. It's it's going. It's going all right. Uh, I, 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 things will pick up soon, hopefully. But yeah, no, uh, that that's been good. Uh, that's been a lot of fun. So other than that, I mean, apart from what I did all on Christmas break with uh, my um my painting and stuff, uh, really not a not a whole lot of stuff. Uh, I mean, uh, like on the Christmas break we took, uh, I took some time and painted some stuff. But really, I haven't held a whole lot of like hobby time. Uh, mm. stuff this week other than uh other than that so that's been what i, I what i did okay sounds yeah. good mm -hmm. yeah so yep. uh i believe one of you had some content yes yeah jack you want to go first sure i'd love to go first so <clears throat> so if you listen to uh to mongoose's borzoi episode he mentioned a uh a campaign setting called Seventh Sea, which isn't really a campaign setting as much as a uh, as much as a a complete role playing uh, you know game in and of itself. It uh, I haven't I, I've only flipped through the book enough to get a feel for uh, you know how the game is played and what uh, and and most of the lore behind it and. I, I honestly say, except for a few blotches that stick out quite, quite badly, I'd actually like to say that it's that it's like a it's like an eight out of ten or a nine out of ten. It's actually it's actually fairly good. If you if you ever wanted to, uh, it's it, it it's more it's more or less a low fantasy setting, much like uh, Lord of the Rings, except it's far tight, far more tightly tied to real world europe than you know than lord of the rings i like it that yeah sounds pretty good so so let me let me start out with the blotch uh the blotches first um i mean there's a there's a fair amount of like valiant female warrior in it which you know mm. is not that i mean i mean okay okay me, here's the thing it's like i have a different take on that than everybody else yeah like if it's yeah, like I mean, an anime type thing like i okay like there's like a there's like a interesting bit there like it's like if it's just like the the rah yeah. rah girl power feminism type thing it's like obviously bad but if it's like you know you're more anime styled type stuff then you know that is perfectly acceptable and in fact encouraged 
Well, and and let me let me start out also by saying that this that it's called Seven C because this is like a like a like a brigadier or a pirate uh, simulator almost. Mm. So mm. Uh, yeah, so so I mean, there's like the there's like the female like you know rah rah thing in it, but it but it it doesn't. I, I honestly don't think that it's too overpowering. Um. There's also, uh, I was also going to read you a passage from chapter two, Thea. Uh, Thea is the, is basically not Europe. It's the, it's the land of not Europe. And the first section in chapter two is diversity in Thea. All right. Oh, good, good. Oh, okay. I know. I know. Hold, hold. Wait, that's, that's the first, se- okay. That's the yeah. first section. Not, not just like explaining what Thea is, but, but the first section is just diversity in it. That's, yeah. that's what you have to start with because that's our religion. So you have to say a prayer first to the gods of diversity. Right. And that that's exactly where I'm going with this. Well, okay? if, that's, it, if, we're, if we're just obeying the civic religion, then I guess I have no choice but to say this is based in red pilled. No, right. no, don't you dare. <laughs> religion no. is based me, in red pilled, well, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, but, but let me, let me read it out. For you. I'm going to do the Ard the Donald bit. Well, if it's just a religion, then it's good because we need to be more traditional values. No. Nah. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we both hard disagree. So so let me let me let me read it out read out a little bit of this. The biggest difference between the people of Thea and the peoples of Europe is diversity. Period. That's the first sentence. Wait, but okay. but that that contradicts everything I heard. I thought people <laughs> in Europe were uh, were actually diverse, like well, Sugar Man. Exactly. So it's not exactly following the uh, the the religion, but but let me continue. The Vatican Church, which is basically the Catholic Church, teaches that Lame. all men and women are equal in the eyes of the Creator, regardless of where they were born and what they look like. Implying uh, that, that that's not already in the in the Bible. Right, what? Right. Oh. right. Because of this difference, cultural migration has occurred with far greater regularity in Thea than Europe. That means a wider degree of people born in one country living in another. So that's the first. So they uh, don't have countries. So they're in like well, a communist hellhole. So, so, but, but that directly contradicts the rest of the chapter because of the, the rest of the chapter is basically outline. Okay. So you're an, you're a, uh, you're from Avalon. Here's how not, not United Kingdom. Here, here are the traits well, that not United Kingdom. You know, have. you know why, right? Because the rest of the chapter was written by actual world designers, and they right. had their like they had their cleric come by and write the screed of of right. universalism for the first well, section. Okay, actually, if you look at like the Savage Worlds rulebook, for example, the first edition Savage Worlds rulebook, they actually say you could use racial characteristics to represent cultural traits, which I have done in the past to differentiate groups of humans. Uh, that weren't necessarily like uh, super different on, shall we say, on the genetic end, you know? Right. So, so, but, but the next paragraph, listen to this. Nations still have a general identity. People from Innismore tend to, which is basically not Ireland, tend mm. to have pale skin, blue eyes, and red hair, but exceptions are everywhere. Most importantly, the Thayans do not see themselves as exceptions. Were you born and raised in Innismore? Then you're Innish. <laughs> Okay. Were you born and raised in Ursura, which is not Russia, then you're Ursurin. 
While Thea is far from cultural fr- from a cultural melting pot, there are those who have lived in nations for generations who are descendant of people from faraway lands. You can find every skin tone in every nation. Oh, oh, oh wow. Okay. So That's... I I was reading this and had the exact same uh, reaction as you, but I kept reading and and it gives like large sections of like culture and arts and music and religion and currency and cl- and clothing it has a whole section for each nation on clothing so i it's like it's like yeah exactly some some sort of like sjw cleric was tasked to write like a yeah. three paragraph introduction and then they just went in and was like okay so so here's how not Spain kicked out the not Muslims, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like we have we gotten hey, our diversity. So, so whenever I whenever I finally codify the the mongoose setting, here's what we're gonna do. Um, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have it all written down, and then we're gonna have a section on monster girls, and I'll just contract that out to Joe and and Somnolent, and we'll see how that works out. <laughs> right. Actually, considering so, how popular my blog post was, I probably shouldn't contract it out to anybody. Yeah. Apparently, but I'm good quick, enough to that myself. Can I just? Can I just comment on the absolute insanity of the phrase, the people from this country tend to be X, but exceptions are everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Because that is that is an extremely I, contradictory stance. That's a self-contradictory tautology. Yes, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're trying to have it both ways to where there are still nations, but then there also aren't because there's no borders, so everyone floods all over the place. And it's like, you which can, is it? You can literally tell that this was written by an American. You know, because because I, I heavily doubt that a European would not write oh, it yeah, in such yeah. a contradictory like terminology. Well, I don't know, man. Have you seen like what the Germans say now? Like the the conquered Germans say things like, you know, well, well anybody can be German as long as you're born in Germany. Like it sounds that's, like that exact crap. That's that's true, but then at the the other end of their mouth. So I don't know. Maybe it was written by. Uh, that's by a, that's what I'm that's, saying. They're holding that's, two that's saying two different things. Yeah, well, who they're having two. The book and where are they from? So he's what. Who publishes the book and where are they from? That's like, actually a good question. I did not. I I did. I did not see when when you're asking this. Here. Like you you have to ask these questions because so for example, Games Workshop is British and that heavily influences things. So, uh, so this this is copyright 2006. John Wick presents. All right. Do we know where they're from? John John Wick is American. Yeah. Okay. And, well, in that case, yeah, that, 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 that this is totally correct. There's some Amer some Amerillard did write this. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, so, I just, so that like, was that picture was... El Goblino sitting behind his desk. Like <laughs> that'll my show ancestors. him. My ancestors. I I could totally be in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, actually, actually, this guy looks a lot like the guy who did uh, Song of Ice and Fire. George R. R. Martin. Oh, really? John Wick <laughs> looks a lot a like lot him. Of... See, that like George R. R. Martin and I have some similar things about us where like we're really autistic about like economic and trade policy and stuff, but for different reasons. Well, you heard the news recently, right? George R. R. Martin is 25% Jewish. Wow, that is <laughs> that is uh that is highly tolerant and inclusive. I am very happy for George R. R. Martin. Yeah, yeah, we should be you know yeah. that he is oh. that he gets to be a member of the proud, noble, and wonderful Jewish ethnicity. Well they you know, it's, they have they actually have a proud tradition of incest, so he's living up to his ancestral heritage. Is is there ever a time in which Pole is never wrong? Uh I'm sorry, what? What is it? Is wrong? there is there is there ever a time in which Pole is never wrong? I I don't know. Going on. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. So, on. so, so, just to uh, just to round out 
the splotches. There are there are a few there there are a few more issues, but but again, it's like it's like you know when when you're leaving through the fifth edition book, if if you ever go directly to the wizard uh, class page, have you ever done that? If 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 you have a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons core rule book, just flip to the wizard page. There's like this, there's like this like old old black man with like. Oh, yeah, but, but, with, but the with, thing about him is he looks like an authentic. Like, see, okay, I'm a counter signal you on this. <laughs> I I like that picture, and I like it because what? I think it looks cool. Yeah, but it I'm looks expecting like this, like, Gandalf. Okay. Yeah, but okay, not... okay. Here's a, here's the thing. That's here's very thing. Eurocentric of you. I know. Well, here, here's the thing, Jack. Here's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the controversial opinion on this, and I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna say that I think that tokenism is fine because it makes people angry, and it's like '80s and cool. But then, on beyond that, I just think the picture looks cool because the dude looks cool. Well, you know yeah. what? I, I'll say that I think I fully support black wizards because black people are full of whimsy and mystery, and no one really understands why they do the things that they do. So they're basically <laughs> hobbits, or no, fake creatures. They're basically fake creatures. They are basically the the dark fae. Do you guys remember the the, the leprechaun hunter a while back? This is like way off topic, but there were this leprechaun hunter. Uh, no. I'll have to link you guys that after the show. Somebody I've never seen a leprechaun, with... but do you think if I stab it, it'll it'll spill out Lucky Charms? Well, if any <laughs> one of us is going to see a leprechaun, it's going to be you. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's right. very that's very true. So yeah, so so two more two more uh, issues. I've I found I found a uh, uh, two men kissing and two women kissing, but that's in a rule book. In a rule book. Are you talking about art or are you talking about literature? I'm talking about art. Like like they like, have pic. Okay, they have uh, pictures of sodomy. Yeah. Well, not I guess not like not sodomy, tech- yeah. Sodomy, well, I know but... what you mean though. They have pictures of men kissing in the rule book. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, was, it was. In fact, it was one of the first pages that I flipped to. And I was like, I was I'm like, oh man, to, I'm gonna dig Jack. into this. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to settle down and really study this picture, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but it's, oh, it's God. like, it's like, oh great, this is what I'm going to get myself into. I'm gonna have to disavow. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's aggressively gay. Like if they were holding hands, I'd be like, well, that's annoying, but okay. If yeah. they're actively kissing, you don't see literally that was you know that picture of the two like black guys kissing each other? No. It reminded me of that. <laughs> no. Well, two black guys kiss I don't Are you I've talking about that movie that... whose name I No, there's Are you talking this, about that movie whose name I can't picture. say in here? Maybe, I don't know. I, I know there's, there's this movie one picture called, that... uh, gay gay negroes in outer space. Okay, yeah, we've serious? gone like way too far off the beaten okay. path. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the edgiest episode of Little Wars we've probably ever done. Yeah, we I don't mean, even have Larry Ridgway on yet. Well, you invited oh, me on. No. What did you expect? Uh, John John is the Larry Ridgway of traditional games. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. He's, he, he orc posts for like, for like an hour straight. Let me tell you what the worst kind of orcs are. <laughs> no, 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 I'm about to do that for real. The worst kind of orcs are hacker orcs. Hmm. Because orcs have a lower logic threshold or a maximum than the other meta types. So they don't make as good hackers. However, 
they still have humans who are willing to counter signal them to be like, why aren't hackers being egalitarian enough and including more orcs? This is an actual component. <laughs> this is an actual thing in the uh, in Shadowrun. Well, doesn't that just prove our point, though? What that they can't that they can't hack as well? Yeah, if the orcs can't hack as well, and that's like a thing that's actually legit canon, and then people are counter signaling. I think they're getting the narrative wrong. Mongoose, we live in a world right now where repeated IQ tests have proven that a certain race has a lower IQ, and that is still controversial to say out loud. Well, yeah, I know, but like, I'm surprised they would actually put that in the rule book. I'm surprised that any SJWs hold the thoughts they do when they're so counter to reality. You sound like an elven supremacist. Actually, no, elves are Jews. Hmm. They run yeah. the media. They run the media corporations. They. Uh, I'm sorry. They uh, run... You mean blues? I mean gems. The bluish question. <laughs> no, no. Um. Actually, that's that's another funny point. Is that that uh, the people who make Shadowrun have been attacked for their uh, anti-Semitic dog whistles because elves are oh. this, elves are this yeah. shady they're a shady insular race who is concerned about maintaining their bloodline who runs all of the media corporations and a lot of the other corporations they're overrepresented at the top and in things like financial fraud wait are are we certain that the people that are writing this just like aren't blatantly like well, here's the real deep lore. Uh, the, the original people who uh, wrote the uh, early versions of Shadowrun have been ousted, and the company was taken over after third edition, I believe it was. Oh, and so of course. Lot, yeah, a lot of this SJW stuff that's creeping in now is not written by the same people that the original stuff was written by. Yeah, I, I do actually really like Shadow the the the, uh, the lore and the and the storytelling in yeah. the books, and not necessarily the system. I actually could leave the system for something else, but. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know what's funny? When I first started role-playing, I really loved how crunchy and detailed the system was in Shadowrun. And now as time goes on, I'm realizing that a lot of that is just a detriment to getting in the way of like, you know, good in-depth storytelling and character development. Yeah. So let me, let me, let me finish off what I was okay. going to say about okay. Damn it. I okay. Talk Sorry. about Sensei. That's okay. So, uh... So yeah, I've I've went through all of the nations and and they're they're pretty much pretty much as, as you'd expect. Uh, one interesting thing that I thought was neat that not everyone on our side uh, appreciates is that is that this is this is supposed to be replicating a time in which uh, all of these nations are starting to become nation states and not necessarily just like you know. Uh, peoples within an empire or hey the or, internet told me that nation states don't exist right exactly well what are you talking well, and, and that's about? the thing the what's a nation well state? and and the uh the protestant reformation has happened so they're, they're, they're that the, sounds uh, racist it is right. it is incredibly <laughs> racist let him talk <laughs> i know well you know he's 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 okay. He can he can uh, he can interrupt with his uh, <laughs> autism spikes. But uh, basically, <laughs> basically there there are Phoenix, two. There's like spike, the three one three. That's right. Ugh. And then Watch there's the spike. like objectionists, and the objectionists are supposed to be like the Protestants. And actually, fantasy Germany fought like oh I don't know maybe a twenty eight to thirty year war over this that completely ripped apart their uh their little uh their their nation so yeah the, the, they're starting to see each other more as like eisen or or castellian or avalonian rather than 
rather than just like Christian. Well, I mean, they don't actually use the word Christian, but like Vatican, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is which which is a fast which is fascinating. You could you could run a a campaign where you know you you start to figure out that you are a nation, like like you are a people that has a history and all this other stuff. You know, cue cue like Richard Spencer Goy talk, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So so one one of the two well two of the interesting things that I found uh, in the back for the DMs. They have an entire section on like on how to DM, and and I thought it was I thought it would be good to like go back and like revisit like basics for people because I don't think we do that enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously they have the golden rule of have fun, and if someone isn't having fun, fix it. They also have this concept of three hats. They have author hat, storyteller hat, and referee hat, which mm-hmm. I think which I think is a, is a fascinating way to look at it because I don't think enough especially first time DMs or just people looking to run a game and they don't really know where to start. Uh, 7C is a collaborative storytelling. This is for author hat. That means all players, including you, are authoring the story, but no plot survives contact with the players. They all have their own agendas and voices. Your job is not to tell the players a story, but to help the group tell its story, right? Mm -hmm. Storyteller hat. Once the game begins, the GM shifts. Oh, do you have, do you have something about that? Uh, me? No. I mean, yeah. I will say one thing about 7C. I will say that I find this setting horribly disinteresting. Really? Yes. Why would what, why why do you say that? Because it, why not just play uh, IRL but with magic? You mean like you mean like what? Why not just play as a German after yes. the Thirty Years' War? Exactly. Uh... Like this, this is a see. I don't really like like if you're gonna do like a pseudo historical setting and then just like change it. Why not just use IRL stuff? Like I get people are gonna be offended, but like personally with my with like the playgroup I would play with, it wouldn't be. But people are gonna be offended anyway because they know what the analogs are. You know. Well, no, no. I, I'm gonna. Can I step in real quick here? I, I, uh, I don't think that's actually why you do that. Uh, I think it's because people like you exist, Mongoose. <laughs> so hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll explain, I'll explain. It's because if you try to set your game in actual historical places that actually existed and history actually happened there, there is going to be somebody who is more knowledgeable about that time period and those events and the technology and the culture and all of these things than you are and can ever hope to be in the amount of time that you have to spend researching these things to craft the game and the world. So if you put something in there wrong, there is going to be that, you know, that that person who's so familiar, so autistic about their history is going to step in and say, um, actually, that uh, that type of automobile was not invented until two years later, please. So this whole game is bad. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> plus there's magic. So, well, yeah, there, yeah, yeah, that, there's that, too. There's you can make changes that aren't that weren't there uh, in real life and, and introduce fantasy elements that way. But well, beyond see, that, I mean, I, I yeah, can yeah. get over like if you're going to introduce magic, then I can get over a lot of like the minor inaccuracies in a setting. But like, I still don't see the point to like just rename everything and then re because it's, it's the, the essence of it uh, remains because, the same. So so when I said that there was magic, there are also magical things. There's there's like this uh, this special metal called I think it's I think it's called drac. Uh, dragon steel or dragon steel that Eisen uh, crafts, which which is basically which is basically uh, 
like like you know like uh, I think I think Borzoi used the uh, the term uh, what is it Valerian steel from Game of Thrones? Yeah, it's, 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 it's mi- just, mithril or Valerian yeah. steel or you know. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's basically like that. So so you can you can in you can introduce things like that. I mean, you could theoretically do like a Shadowrun type thing in in like you know medieval Europe right after the Thirty Years' War, where like you know there's magic. Well, that's called, and everything, that's called Earthdawn. They have that. It's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. So so I don't know. I think I think that this is different enough to warrant it. Uh, but as you read through the rule book, he definitely uh, like like there's no getting around it. He's definitely like, yeah, this is exactly like this, except uh, we renamed it and added like a cool magical thing to it. That's that's basically that's that's basically. Yeah, but but by doing that, what what he's doing it's it's a it's an extremely intelligent shorthand, because what he's saying is I want you, the reader, to invoke all of the tropes associated with this place and this time, and I'm not going to do the research to go in and basically and lay it all out because it would take too long. It'd be an entire textbook just based around what is the the this nation like and these people and this culture, and you'd have to go into all that stuff. So what he's saying instead is. Well, yeah, you know, basically just apply your mental uh, preconception of this place in this time period. Do it yourself so that I can save some time and spend the rest of the book writing about the rules. Yeah. So that's the uh, three hats. Oh, um, yeah. What was the other? Yeah, yeah you oh, started with the first one. Yeah. So so the storyteller hat and the referee hat. So basically, So basically the author hat is all about like authoring the story, right? Mm-hmm. And it's all about like laying out uh, what you're doing, you know, the, the, the various, the various things that you're going to do. Then the storyteller hat is when the GM shifts from author to storyteller, you have to describe a world you've never seen before and maintain a suspension of disbelief for hours at a time. Basically you have to become a, become a sociopath, uh, calling a GM an improvisational actor isn't right. An actor only has to maintain a single character at a time. A GM has to maintain an entire world. So you you you're basically the best sociopath amongst your friend your group of sociopaths. Yeah, that um, doesn't bode well for me. <laughs> and then the referee hat. So when you put on your referee hat, you make sure everyone gets a fair shake from the rules of the game. You clarify the rules of the game and make the decision quickly. So basically, R O L L playing versus R O L E playing, which which is I think interesting that he separates them out because yeah. because usually when you get called like an roll role player it's like oh you're just worried about the rules well no i'm trying to clarify you know how we're going to handle this and i think that is, I, that I, is highly important i mean because i've had i've had points in time where i'm just like i'm ignoring this because it's not fun or boring like a lot of the a lot of D rules are really just subtract from the overall experience with like encumbrance limits and a lot of D can be a bogged down into like really banal and boring resource management which is which fun, is, which is why I like only fun is, which is yeah. why I like rule light rule settings. You know, yeah. as do I, because the thing about it is, it's um the the resource management stuff is fun and all, but it's only fun if everybody's on board and nobody ever actually like takes the time to actually manage or think about it. So mm-hmm. you, there's no point in actually um in actually using those rules to their fullest extent. Yeah, no. I know what you mean. Uh, or I, I think what what I've been thinking about recently is running a uh, a game in an alternate fantasy World War One style setting where the characters play as like a special operative team, but they have their own like mobile base in the form of a zeppelin, 
And I think I want to mess around with the idea of having the players take on different roles, like actual military roles. Like you'd have the logistician who's in charge of keeping up the supplies so that when you go into a battle, everyone starts off with, you know, like their full ammo or even like extra things. So I think there's there's room for that kind of thing to be explored more, but I don't think it's been really, really thoroughly touched in role playing games yet. Yeah, I think it, there is room for it, but it's it's also a problem of interest, whereas a lot of players don't want to do that. Like a lot of people are just a lot of people honestly don't take playing the games as serious as as maybe us three would like them to or us three would actually take them. Like if you wanted to do a logistics simulator and you got me and Jack involved, we could probably handle that. But if you wanted somebody to keep track of like all their stuff. I have trouble getting people to keep track of ammo most of the time. Yeah, but I'm not trying to appeal to normies. Like, I think that's a mistake right there when you start from, like, the design perspective of this has to appeal to as many people as possible. Oh, no, I'm not talking about normies. I would say a good 75% of the people that I've played with could not care less about their ammunition stockpiles. I know, and I, I would classify yeah. them as normies. Like, they, because I come from, you got to remember, I come from a Shadowrun role-playing origin. So, like, to me, managing how many bullets are left in your magazine, that's, like, you do that or else you get shot and killed. Like, that's part of the game. And if you're not cut out for that, go back to D&D, little baby. Well, the thing about it is you can, you can do that. The problem is if, if it's a, in order to enforce that, the DM would have to be the one to, the, my problem isn't necessarily that I disagree with it or that the people that don't do it aren't bad. They are. My problem is that, I, in order to actually enforce that kind of a thing, most of the time you have to be as the DM, the person enforcing the, um, and keeping track of the ammo. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. However, a lot of that nowadays can be uh, offloaded onto virtual assistants. Like there are all, like, especially you know, for Shadowrun, there's an entire program that keeps track of your entire inventory and your, and your XP gains and your money gains and expenditures and ammo. Like all of that stuff can be kept track of. With very little effort on the part of both the player and the uh, the GM, and because it's being kept track of digitally, you don't have to have the the GM with his fingers in everybody's pies because it's insured by the you know by the program itself. So I think there are ways around that. Just role playing itself as a hobby needs. To I mean, modernize. if I if I want to give my players computers so that they can like sit around and do stuff on the computer while we're trying to do things, I mean that's no, no. I'm talking about. I don't have anybody locally that I can play, you know, games I know. With. I mean, like, if, if do you're it doing it digitally, that's fine. But when you're doing it, like, in person, the way it's meant to be played and the way most people ideally would play okay, the right, game. Right there, that is an old-fashioned view of meant to be played. There is no meant to be played. There is how can you play it. When and you are playing... Is, these things can be played more effectively and more enjoyably when done with more modern capacity. No, would, I, 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 agree, I agree with John's... Uh, uh, statement here up to up to giving your players uh like touch pads or laptops at the table i agree john I, john is like uh, operating on the prioristic assumption that you're playing online which i yeah, i don't have anybody i don't yeah. grant that with. premise uh well, not, it's not necessarily a premise. because it's a situation I don't I know, I'm not i'm not necessarily disputing that you're in this situation i dispute the premise that it's better online uh, I didn't say it's better than playing offline. I said that if you're already playing online, there are things you can do to make it better. Okay. I do. I, okay. So, so here's the thing. I will use to keep track of certain things when I'm playing something like Warhammer 40k. Like I do use Battlescribe 
to uh to you know build lists and keep track of all that stuff i don't i don't i've never used paper or a spreadsheet or something like that yeah but yeah i don't know i i I think i think that phone apps specifically could get better at resource management like that yeah yeah that'd that'd be cool are you guys familiar with the uh, xcom board game that actually uses a phone Uh, or tablet app no, I'm no. not actually. One of my That's biggest it. pet peeves as a game master is when you're trying to play something and players are on their phones, which is That's true. Yeah. That's I mean true. if there was a, if there was like a, a sort of uh program that the game master could handle that that would uh automatically keep track of things uh, as you would input actions people did on their turns. Yeah, that's what the XCOM thing does. One per, there's one tablet at the table, and the head guy running the game is the one who keeps it and keep, uses it to keep track. And it's got like you know random events. If the events. programs you were describing were more like that, then yeah, I'd probably be for them. But as it stands, where an individual is keeping track of it on like a peer-to-peer basis, I I would not allow that on my game for the sole reason that see, see John uh, Mongoose is a member of uh, traditional games Pine Tree Gang. You have to understand. Well, I'm a I get, member of Luddite gang. <laughs> I, I actually, I think there's a lot to be said about that because there is a danger of uh, component bloat. When you've got all of these options, it's like, well, why not throw them all in? And that's how you get things like Shadowrun or, you know, like, like, uh, you know, 3.5 D&D, where it's like you've got so many freaking options that you pretty much need a computer to keep track of it all. So I think there is something to be said about the beauty of simplicity in design. However, at the same time, I think we are fools if we ignore the potential of new technology and tools when it comes to like, you know, not necessarily the existing games, but you know, when you're looking at something like RPG design or a homebrew system or something like that, I think you'd be foolish to discard it just because, well, it wasn't available 20 years ago. Well, that's not necessarily my problem because one of the things that would come up uh, when I, when, when you run for people, uh, a lot of times there'll be like a couple people that are going to be on their phones that if you yeah, take no, the I've phones into, away from I've them, they're, they're fine players. Uh, yeah, and I'm very cautious IRL to, uh, to well, give Mongoose, them access to a computer to manage anything is what I'm saying. Yeah, and I get that. But Mongoose, when you're the game master, you have to enforce a certain mentality at the table. It's a very will to power state. Like if people are distracted. <laughs> If people are distracted and they're not paying attention, you have to tell them, no, this is the priority. And if you do, but at the same time, it's just a hassle to do it. (laughs) You have to, you have to hit them over the the head with a, with a neat, with a, with a book by, with, 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 with thus spoke Zarathustra and tell them that they must, they they must reassert their will to power. Well, or you could just, you could just say, if you're distracted, then uh, you suffer an automatic minus 10 to initiative roll for surprise check. Something like that. Yeah, sure. That, that works as well. That'd be fun. Yeah. You're not paying attention. You're wandering around in a dark dungeon. Uh, Everybody roll surprise. uh, And if you don't roll it within three seconds, you know, then you, you suffer a penalty. I don't know. Uh, I, th- I think uh, every time you're distracted, uh, the, the grabblers come and steal some of your gold. <laughs> <laughs> and you're distracted, so you can't uh, prevent them from doing it. I think I, think I actually might institute that. Oh, my uh, gosh. They're, they're vile grabbler sorcery. Yes. Vile grabbler sorcery. Yes. You're, you're too distracted to notice the, the sneaky hands reaching into your pockets. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the pick, the, these well, and that's also a great pickpockets. That's also a great lesson because the lesson there is you have to be you know on your toes at all times, lest you be taken advantage of. You know, so I like it by the grabbler. Yeah, by the grabbler <laughs> specifically. Yeah, 
<laughs> I like it. Uh, Does Eisen have a uh, on the grabblers in their lies? <laughs> Actually, that's a good question. I haven't I haven't read too far into it. All, I'm guessing all based that I know on, like, is that the way this thing is written, it don't it totally doesn't. But if it does, we should def we should definitely think about running a uh, a grabbler <laughs> uh, a grabbler based campaign as but, as objectionists and in, in the like the grabblers take over Ursuria and like it stage their own November re revolution. No, no, <laughs> as, in, as in we're objectionists. We're, yeah. we're objectionists, and we have to um, we have to prevent these grabblers from grabbling. And mm -hmm. uh, Martin Luger, the inventor of the gun, wrote a book on the grabblers and their lies. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so that's that's the interesting thing. I have not caught any any hints of grabbler uh, influence in in any of these things. I did notice though that uh, that they turned the uh, um, the Norse in this are basically there. There are basically two types of Norse. There are the like the Norse that keep to their pagan ways and you know still worship the gods, and then there's there's a different type of Norse that uh, that are basically merchants, and, and yes. they're, they're yeah, and uh, and they are they are far more like Vatican. They've they've like allowed the church into their nation, so like, the like the Swedes then. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. So, uh, and and there, there's a line in there that says that uh, they're basically not any different from their ancestors, except they've beaten their swords into coins. Is what the uh, so that so they basically go out and they 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 conquer, they raid, but they do so as merchants. So, th so they use like steel coins. That sounds terrible. Well <laughs> Right. Well, I, I I'm not. Oh exactly no! Sure. Wait, no. Actually, that makes sense because the coins would naturally rust, so you've got like a natural uh, hedge against inflation. Ah, there you go. Okay. Mm, the amount of time it would take to totally corrode a steel coin and get rid of it would, like, I mean, unless of course you you just have any tarnished currency can't be accepted. In which case, if you just make a mistake and leave your coins out, like. Yeah. I don't know how good that system of, in, of inflation well, yeah, but, but see, would what, be. What that inspires is then you have like magically waterproof banks that you have to put all your coins in to keep them safe. Exactly. <laughs> so then, you, then you're just enabling even more usury. Well, that's Sweden for you, right? So yeah. I, just, I just realized that they do have an entire section on secret societies. Oy vey. Ooh, oh, oy, oy vey, right. And there is one called no Novus Ordo Mundi. Which uh, uh, do they only do their church services in Latin and get really, really, really angry on Twitter all the time? Possibly, I'm not sure. Mm. No, it, it, I think it I might know those people IRL. <laughs> it specifically says that uh, that they are evil, so I don't know. Uh, there's also Sophia's Daughters, which is basically like the secret society of feminist women. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I guess know. that's I guess that's accurate. Yeah, I mean, you could totally run these as like villains. So, 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 is there like a, a feminist cabal, and then like they're like, are there like incels fighting the feminist cabal? Like, is, is that <laughs> like the are, are there gamers actively rising up? Well, it says here that membership in Sophia's Daughters is almost exclusively female. A small number of men have been brought in as trusted advisors, but not as full allies. <laughs> allies, male allies. <laughs> they they have they have uh they have fred zoned oh. <laughs> is this is this based on like the the south korean like feminist conspiracy 
I have no idea. I haven't I haven't done a lot of research in the secret societies, unfortunately. But oh, uh, but but it does look interesting. That well, do they at least have a Ku Klux Klan analog? Uh, I don't. It's think medieval so. Europe. I mean, yeah, yeah. Wasn't, the KKK the, wasn't in the medieval specter Europe. of white racism perpetrates throughout time and geography, though. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like like the there, there there has to be some sort of Holocaust or something. Like <laughs> yeah, like, the like I, Well, you can't have a Holocaust without grabblers. That's yeah. true. So if they've eliminated the grabblers, like from the there from aren't the, grabblers in the lore yeah. because they don't want to bring them up because that's problematic. Well, you just had to find the most like enlightened and freedom promoting people, and then that's obviously the analog, and they just leave out all the other stuff. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to do more research and get back to you. But there is one more section under GMing that uh that stuck out at me. It it, it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb because you're you're flipping through the book and there's a, this entire red section in the like upper right hand co- corner called pro wrestling and improv 101 which i thought was an interesting uh Rest- little section. oh oh you pro mean like wrestling a- yeah so, yeah like okay. so so yeah so so let me let me uh let me explain a lot i run a lot of gm seminars at conventions and the two bits of advice i always give are one watch pro wrestling and two take an improv class First, pro wrestling tells one story and tells it incredibly well. There's this belt, and everyone wants it. The story is what each of the characters are willing to do to get it. Really, that's all pro wrestling is. The characters are so basic, they're really archetypal. It's broken down into heroes and villains, and the sides are always very clear. Families and names communicate a lot. If someone has the last name Flair, Funk, or or Steamboat, I can tell you immediately whether that character is a villain or a hero and what they'll do to get the belt. Pro wrestling also revolves around all of its conflicts with violence. You want to know how to tell a story with a fight scene? Watch pro wrestling. The whole point of pro wrestling is telling stories with violence, which I thought was fascinating. I, I you know, I I looked up from that. And I was like, yeah, he's he's kind of right. Yeah, I guess he is techniques. right. Though there's probably I mean, techniques you could learn, but I think you could take that too far and just become so hammy and goofy that your world ceases to feel real anymore. Well, I, I think part of it is that, like, when you're playing a role-playing game in a medievalist setting, you're you're going to be chumming up a lot of the medievalist tropes with, like, the you you, you kind of gotta like. It, so, for example, if you're running D and D. One of the things that I think really improves a D&D game is having the, the game masters sort of uh, understand that they're retelling like pseudo Arthurian kind of stuff. Hmm. So they're not they're not going to be it's got to be like about heroes and villains and uh, all yeah, that. And, stuff. And, I, and I think I think that's a great skeleton for for GMs or DMs to uh to build around, right? Like, yeah. like you, you have a skeleton, right? You have a, you have a goal or an object, right? This could be either a quest or whatever for the Holy Grail or the Holy Hand Grenade or whatever. And then well, you are we have... doing uh, uh, the Holy Grail? Uh, uh, hey, uh, yeah, definitely, hundred percent. Yes, there we go. Come on. I, I mentioned it. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> uh, and and then you have heroes, you have villains, and and that's like the skeleton. Right, like the uh, I, I was listening to a conversation uh, earlier. I think it was last night, and uh, they were talking about the Matrix, and they they were they were analyzing the story of it, and they were like, "Yeah, you know what? Um, it's got a really simple story. You know, yeah. the story has been told over and over again, and on that skeleton, they have 
you know, once you have a stable skeleton, then you can then you can build in you know whatever you want on it. And it I and I think it reminds it's... me of somebody I watch on I watched on YouTube. Uh, this dude called How to Be a Great GM. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you guys are familiar with him. I have uh, seen this. He's he's, he's kind of really like soy, but he can give some good advice. He's he's very very much a soy guy, but I would say that most of his advice is really good. Um, and one of the things that he always stresses is like if you if you're having trouble with your plot, the first thing you need to think is someone wants something and they're having trouble getting it, and that's going to be the impetus for any plot you have, right? Mm-hmm. So like yeah. with with Crow Rasslin, it's it's the belt. Everybody wants the belt, and they're having trouble getting the belt. But in say uh, Dark Heresy, somebody wants a I don't know a demonic immortality or like a demonic codex or something yeah. and they're having trouble getting it and then you can you can implement your story outwards from that yeah and you, you don't even need to tell your players what they actually want you know like like things things can have you just have to make sure you plan it out and make sure that all of the characters know what they want a well, lot think- of stories are actually um you want something because if the villain gets it it's going to be really bad and that's yeah. a good uh, that's a good starting point too yeah i think a, an important part of having a uh, compelling villain or a good enemy is to allow the players to get uh, involved in the world to allow them to spend time getting invested uh, figuring out what it is that they care about what they want to work on what they want to achieve and acquire and then put somebody in their way, put somebody, some kind of opposition, somebody who's opposed to those goals that they have, you know, give them a, a foil, basically give them somebody who's a, who wants to stop them for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, through his own actions interferes with the player's goals and desires, uh, which then has the added benefit of making it personal for the players. Like it, it feels more like this is actually relevant to me because this person's stopping and interfering with, with my well, goals. Yeah, and my it's no longer level one crook to level 100 boss. It's, uh, oh shit, this dude means business. One of the most effective things I've, I've learned is that players actually really like anything that's a quote unquote minor inconvenience. So if the villain is just kind of rude to them, they will take that and decide that they want to kill him. Absolutely. Like a lot of people will. <laughs> well, they'll do that even if it's just like a peasant who just is accidentally. Rude <laughs> no, that's so if you just make the villain rude and powerful and more powerful mm. than them, that that irks them more than anything. So if you just want them to fight the villain, just, you know. See, th- this is this is why uh, I don't know if any of you are fans of uh, World of Warcraft, but this is why I point to uh, Wrath of the Lich King expansion. Uh, a lot of players didn't like the fact that the main protagonist, the Lich King, kept popping up in all of the dungeons and, like, you know, giving them, you know, ba- basically just throwing out insults to the group and telling them, oh, you'll never, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and like, putting little, like, uh, putting small uh, hindrances in their path as they went along. Went along. A, a lo- that that kind of storytelling was kind of was panned at the time, but I actually really like it. I really like when the when the villain just kind of either pops up, shows you how much of a threat they are, or just or just even like or just even like kill them and raise them as zombies, you know, for my army, right? You know, mm-hmm. just just give give the villain a little bit more exposition than just like you know he is, you know, he's Sauron and his dark yeah. tower and he's really evil well, make right? make like, the villain gary oak from pokemon like who is the villain of like pokemon <laughs> red and blue like it's not right. team rocket it's gary oak like everybody right. hates that guy nobody yeah, exactly. could care, people could care less about team rocket but gary oak is that one dude everybody hates 
Yeah, Jack, I think I think you raised an important point where you can't just say like to your players, oh, by the way, this guy was in the background the whole time scheming right. and behind everything. It's not personal to them. They didn't they didn't see it or feel it. So it doesn't mean as much to them. Right. And and it's it's also uh, you, you do have to be careful because your players will attempt to kill them right off the bat, you know, to save save themselves time. But if you work it in correctly, you could very easily have somebody that they're that they keep chasing and they're on the heels of. Right. And they and and the bad the bad guy throws, you know, I don't know, like a, like an assassin after them or something or they the bad know, guy they... leave notes or a calling card like a serial killer, for example. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. I, that. That reminds me of this uh, green text uh, readout on YouTube that I was doing, where it's like the most annoying uh, villain that this guy's D and D party ever faced was just a coward. He would run away at even <laughs> even like the the slightest whiff that they were onto him. He would flee and like go to another base of operations and abandon his previous one and set up like a doomsday cult elsewhere and like arrange disasters and catastrophes and wars behind the scenes. And whenever the adventurers they'd show up, they'd have to clean up his mess, and he'd just flee the country. He had not—he wanted nothing to do with anyone trying to oppose them. And they chased him all across this fantasy world, trying to stop him. And eventually, the good guys wound up doing some really terrible, evil things to try and stop this guy before he'd even done anything evil in like a new country. And so, like, they had the entire world hate him, but they still—they were so devoted to kill this guy that they wound up playing the bad guys just to stop him. Hmm. That's that's, that's actually pretty excellent. Yeah. 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 That's really engaging. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. And and the the uh, it's it's very tempting for G for GMs to make the evil guy like for whatever reason either more badass or more like moral or whatever than the player characters. Just just. You know, may, yeah, I, I, I really like the coward aspect to it. He's a coward. You know, he's a, he may be charming. Yeah. But that's it. You know, yeah, well, that's villains are best when they're just shit heels. I mean, like, mm. that, like, it, nobody wants the, the, nobody wants to be moralized to with the villain. Like, one of the worst things I've seen is like online where it's like the, they had a game where the players were like, removing elves from somewhere and then the gm pulls the trick of like oh you guys were actually just doing the holocaust the entire time <laughs> and, and oh, i uh, guess the holocaust wasn't that bad then because this felt pretty good oh but, uh and then and then like oh oh it was such a reveal it's like nah 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 i want to you're the good guy you gotta be the you gotta do the good guy bit like you you have to make it at least feel satisfying to fight the villain and that he's actually evil and you know the moralizing stuff is just stupid it's well it only works if everybody is already like completely on board with your sense of morality because like for if that guy tried to run that game for us if he made that reveal i'd be like okay so what's the next step in the holocaust can i do that too what's the next step of your master plan yeah, what's yeah let's keep going this is great i love it <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's pretty much all I had. Uh, I might I might come back later after I've read the book more in depth and uh, gotten a better idea. Maybe have found those uh, those annoying grabblers that we were talking about <laughs> mm, mm. in between the lines. Did you have anything uh, to say about the mechanics themselves? Have you read about the rules? Yeah, so uh, it it uses kind of a Savage World idea. Mm. Uh, it's it's got an interesting idea for wounds. 
Um, it's got, <laughs> I, I can't find it, but it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a funny way of saying the wounds there. There's like a death spiral where there's like four wounds and then a star and then four wounds and a star and the stars are grievous wounds. Hmm. And, uh, and every time you suffer a grievous wound, you can't heal it like normal. And, uh, and you know, every time you do, you do some sort of test, you take like a negative to that test. So okay. the more grievous wounds you have, the more, um, you know, the worse you are. Yeah, gotcha. I mean, I, I mean, the rules are pretty are pretty simple. Uh, each character, there, there, there are separate. Uh, there are stats, uh, and and each nation gets like pluses to certain stats, and then uh, and then um, they have classes, and they have a set of like ten or so general classes, and then each nation has. A specific class that it can take which i don't know i i don't know why you would ever uh not take one of the super special snowflake classes hmm. but uh but yeah there are backgrounds and then there are uh there are other things and the backgrounds give um like skills and advantages advantages are kind of like uh what's the savage world like just yeah advantages i'm, I'm sorry is it actually it's, advantages it's called edges in savage world edges Right. Yeah. So edges and oh, hindrances. Nice. So so, they, so you get so you get either two or three advantages. We never talked about second edition Savage Worlds, did we? I don't think so. We'll have to we'll have to save that well, for. Uh... We could just do it really quickly because I think the only thing to talk about it is play first edition. They re-released a second edition, and it's going to be a sixty dollar hardback rulebook for what was a uh, soft cover ten dollar rulebook, and they only made some minor changes. It's not like there's a bunch of new content for it either. Yeah, so, that's that's the issue is that is that like they've made such minor changes that I would need it in front of me to actually give a good you know explanation country. of what the changes even are. But beyond right. that, there's no reason not to buy the ten dollar older rule book, which they're still selling. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I mean I mean the rules are pretty much boilerplate. Uh they do have uh an interesting wealth system. It's kinda like dark heresy where you have a wealth score instead of like gold coins. Yeah. So you don't have to keep track of that. Okay. Yeah, a lot of later games Dark Heresy does the uh does the wealth score. Earlier editions do not. Oh really? Oh I didn't know that. Yeah, there are thrones and first edition has thrones and then later they have a wealth score. Oh, okay. Rogue Trader so, yeah, does the wealth uh, score thing, and and of course there is magic, uh, and and the interesting thing about the magic is that uh, the nation, separate nations themselves, have different versions or variations on the magic, hmm. which which is interesting. Uh, like, uh, you know, I think I think it's I think it's Castile or one one of the southern nations has blood magic. And uh, other things, whereas whereas Avalon, the not UK version, has like glamour or fey magic, which is so interesting. So, how, how do they handle magic? Is it the Vancian style, like you have this many spells slots per day kind of thing? Uh, they they well, and and they specifically say this in the rule book. The magic is very powerful, and it's not Vancian. It's it's basically you activate this when this happens, right? Like you can hmm. use your magic. So, uh, so for instance, let's see. Um, oh no, this is uh, this is not not what I wanted. I don't I don't have it in front of me. But basically, yeah. So so basically, uh, you choose what your magic is, and you can use it within reason, right? The and the idea is that the GM is giving you the ability to use magic, so use it well. 
you know. Oh, okay. So not everybody has magic, right? No, no, and, okay. that, and that's why that's why I described it as like a low magic setting because yeah. well, kind of like Lord of the Rings, where there is magic and there are magical items every mm. once in a while that you'll find, but it's not like D and D where uh, yeah, you know, you can throw fireballs around as wow, a uh, level one sorcerer. That, that sounds pretty awesome. It's just a shame that uh, it's so gay. The setting. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. Sense. I'm like, I'm like, some of the crunch here is good. Uh, a lot. A lot of it's a lot of stuff I tend to do with my homebrews. I tend to rely a lot more on magical items and yeah. rituals than exactly. I than I do anything else. I, I think that uh, one thing that's really underserved in a lot of RPGs is uh, rituals as magic, which is really kind of how traditionally magic worked mm-hmm. or works because magic is real. I mean, yeah, it, I mean, it, the Bible doesn't tell you not to do it because uh, it's not real. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, and I mean, like, as, as, and, and let me, let me go into that. Uh, not necessarily the magic part, but the gay bit. Uh, so, so the reason why I gave this an eight out of 10 is that other than, other than the, the obvious sore thumbs that I found, I mean, I mean, this is, this is pretty much like role play as a European. I yeah. mean, it's, 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 it's got a lot of great art in it. Uh, it's got it. a lot of cool sword but fighting. It's like stuff. a really it's, beautiful painting that somebody like flecked a couple pieces of poop on. Right. Exactly. And you're like, I mean, you're like it looks so beautiful, but I don't know if I want the poop on my wall, you know? And and not and not just not just like play as a European in a fantasy realm, but you can play as a Catholic European <laughs> or a Protestant European, right? Th- these are these are actual analogs. Now, right? now and, do we and do, they don't when shy we have away our Catholics them. and Protestants, do we get um are there racial bonuses and penalties for what? Do they have to being fight a Catholic each other? or a Protestant? Like, do you, uh, so? If I'm a, if I'm a Protestant, do I get a bonus to like homeschooling? And if I'm a Catholic, do I get a bonus to like being a obedience. to being a tough Polak <laughs> or something like? Are, uh, the, are those distinctions it, well, it, they make, just... or is this like uh, is this like Catholics and Protestants are the exact same thing, gang? Well. So, uh, not necessarily. So, so that's, that's kind of, that's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's very subtle actually, because, uh, the Catholic analogs have a lot, they, they have access to a lot of libraries and, you know, they have a lot, a lot of access to institutional wealth, basically. Uh, whereas, right. Yeah. Whereas, whereas the, so, so. I mean, like if you if you go to to not Spain to Castile as an objectionist, you're going to get you know shit on, right? Like you're gonna yeah. get you're gonna get uh you know you, you know eyes are gonna be narrowed at you. You know you, you're not you're on you're the wrong side of the street, right? Ex- exactly, you're on the wrong side of the street. So it's it's very it's just very Luther in the wrong neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Whereas. You know, whereas if you're a Vatican, I mean, I guess you would have an advantage in certain situations and a disadvantage in other situations. It it really all depends on on what you. I mean, I guess not direct stat buffs. I guess yeah, it's, it's like I'm world. It's like world interaction stuff. It's uh, yeah. reputation and yeah, social bonuses and penalties, that kind of thing. Right. right. That's cool. I like it. Mm-hmm. Nice. So yeah, so that's that's pretty much that's pretty much all I had. Okay. Uh, ready for it. 
what was the actual what, what was the actual real quick uh what was the actual like date of the setting like what year are they going for in terms of you know real world uh, analog he, he actually he actually says it some at some point in the introduction i think it, it's it's basically right after the oh 17th century earthly counterparts so so right after the 30 years war in germany is basically the idea so like renaissance period yeah yeah okay. essentially and there is a not not uh italy region with uh with city um, states yeah city states and warring princes and everything have spaghetti okay uh i actually did not read the cuisine section on the the i think they're called the Veracci. I want mm. I want each like Italian analog city state to be named after a different type of pasta, <laughs> and they just war eternally. The Linguini clan has pulled ahead this week. The Linguini <laughs> clan, the Mondavi, the Besserone, Besserione, Fettuccines, the Fettuccine Alf- Alfredici. Yeah, <laughs> uh, an alliance Fettuccines and Alfredos. Does does. <laughs> Tamamo spaghetti count. Does what? I'm sorry, you broke up. Uh, not never mind. Don't don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think John knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. We're all right. <laughs> this is getting a little too goofy. <laughs> all right. Well, that was uh that was pretty good. That sounds like overall a pretty good game. Uh yeah. so now yeah. I'd like to tell you about an absolutely terrible game. Please, dude. I love being angry. Are we going to talk more about Warhammer 40k? No, no, corn. Settle down. Uh, No, I. No, sorry. I hate Warhammer. (laughs) That's the joke. I know that, but but secretly, (laughs) your uh, your hatred is just fueling corn and making him stronger. So, like the Chaos Gods are just a played out meme. (laughs) I I hate to be that guy, but they are. I know, but they are. They are. They are legitimately. Yes, I know. Wow, that's Slanesh. Well, to be fair, it's hard to counter-signal when we live in a world run by Slaneshi Nurgle cultists. I get that, but at the same time, like, I'm sick and tired of someone just being like, oh, let me just take a screenshot of the catalog off of, like, a 4chan, like, disgusting hentai board, and then just, like, put Slaanesh next to it and think I'm being clever and original. Well, okay, but 80% of everything is crap. So I, let's focus on the 20%. Actually, no, right now, let's focus on the 80%, because I want to talk about Apocalypse World. Ooh, I love the Apocalypse. Did you say Fallout? No. <laughs> You're still... Okay, I get it. This is the bad review, but let me review this specific <laughs> flavor of bad, okay? Uh, no, so, so basically, in the role-playing game, you know, tabletop role-playing game genre, there's been some innovations... Uh, recently, relatively recently, uh, in the indie RPG scene, uh, and this is this movement is basically a response to D and D's hegemony over role playing games because you can't go on any kind of a recruiting site for role playing games and see like ninety five percent of the posts are going to be for D and D, either Pathfinder three point five or five e, uh, or you'll have the one guy who's trying to find a four e game as everybody craps on him. Um, but anyway, so this this movement, uh, the indie scene, has uh, been a response to that, and they have turned to what is uh, being termed narrative games, which is a pretty arrogant oh, term. Is, is that like build your own narrative? Uh, no, no, it's, it, no. Basically, they're, they're <laughs> t- no, no. Forty K Sixth Edition was a mistake. Stop. Oh. 
in 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 the okay, just to, just to explain that to anybody who's listening, in 40k sixth edition, they had this rule book, uh, which was bad because it was sixth edition, and sixth edition sucked. But beyond that, they would they would have these little asides called building a narrative, and what that meant was it was like a uh, aside where it's like, well, um. Here's some uh, here's some stuff that people that you know would actually play this game like you know in an interesting way back in the 80s would do like naming your dudes and all this stuff, and then uh, and then they they have the building your narrative aside, which is just like this astroturf way to try to get people to actually play Warhammer 40k as kind of like a pseudo role playing game and stuff. Mm. Uh, the way it was played like in like second and third edition, but it was just like really really bad. Yeah, I was gonna say, was the problem with it that it wasn't handled well? One with it was that it just kind of was not good. Uh, it, I mean, a lot of the ideas were all right, but the way Sixth Edition was set up, it was not conducive to that sort of a play style at all. Mm, so it just yeah, sort of okay. fell flat. And it, it, like looking at it, you're like, oh, that's just obvious. Like you know, yeah, yeah. Leaves a bad taste okay. in your mouth, especially I- after how much of a cash grab Sixth Edition was. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, what my one of my biggest problems with wargaming has always been the lack of storytelling in it. But I think that you could very easily try to shoehorn that in there and just not have it work out properly. A lot of earlier war games did that well, where they were like uh, games with, um, you know, they were based on a small squad kind of role playing games. Like uh, forty Rogue <laughs> Trader was. Wait, wait, wait! Are you saying they were based and small squatted? I guess. <laughs> like forty, like Rogue Trader was is oftentimes compared to, or like it's oftentimes just referred to as a role playing game because of how like how much emphasis it put on like leveling up your dudes and then like gaining equipment and skills and stuff. So yeah. it was like a, a role playing game light, mm. but it just it fell okay. flat with Sixth Edition, and I, that's what we're talking about there. Anyway, gotcha. let's talk more about uh, what we were actually going to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Apocalypse World is a narrative game, and the very pretentious theme of these narrative games is play to find out what happens. And the idea of this this theme... But isn't this that motto, what you do anyway? No, no, exactly. But that's that's why it's so pretentious, because the idea behind this motto is that in normal games, you've got this evil, authoritative game master or dungeon master who has his idea of a plot, and he forces it onto the players without their consent, by the way, and forces them to go along with this ride, regardless of what they actually want to do. That's, that's the, that is the position from which a lot of this indie game design was founded. And so what you wound up with is a role-playing game where the game master has a limited amount of uh, actions that he can do to move the plot along, and those actions are oftentimes based upon the actions of the players themselves. So, the, so both the players and the game master have these actions. And these actions are called moves. And they have okay, different okay. Yeah. So this is quite literally just the breaking down of the authoritative hierarchy of the game master. Yes, it is. Mm. So it's... Yes, yes, it is. I would like to take the third track here. Mm. Um... <sighs> I do f- sometimes find that uh, that uh, it's better creatively to be in a more restrictive uh, space like that. If you are if you are restricted to the actions that you can take, you you are ju- you you can sometimes be more creative. 
Does that work? what these people are trying my to do? Problem, well, no, it is kind of. But my problem with that is you're trying to force restrictions upon the game masters rather than empower them to willingly create a scenario within which they are restricted. So you're giving the game master rules on how he can game master as opposed to help like guiding him through, here's a scenario within which your actions would be limited and, and but you still have all the power that you need in order to make sure this is a good scenario. Hmm. Interesting. So, okay. so real quick, let me just like give you a few examples of moves uh, and the way this game plays out. So this is an extremely rules light game. You've got five stats and the stats are cool, hard, hot, sharp, and weird. With an additional stat, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? That's that's why I call this pretentious as crap, okay? Because like some of these, you can figure out what they sort of mean, but then also a lot of them, you just you won't have any idea. Like when you hear "cool," what do you think of? That's like uh, how uh, how based and red pilled your character is, right? Rational, clear thinking, calm, calculating. I, I could have I could have guessed that probably, yeah. But. Yeah, okay. You probably could have, sure. Here's the, here's the sixth stat, however, which I really love. HX. What do you uh, think H what do you think HX means? Um uh, hate index. <laughs> that that makes more sense than the actual answer. No, it's actually history. As in your shared history with other characters. Is this is this like a Latinx thing? Uh, no, actually, the, the explanation the explanation given in the book is HX means history, like how RX means prescription. What? But, I but, don't know! What does that mean? Wait, 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 whoa, 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 because RX comes from Latin. No, that's, so, that, it's not, yeah. doesn't mention anything about that. Just RX know, means prescription, says, therefore. Like, RX means prescription. RX means prescription because it means something in Latin that has to do with pharmaceuticals or some crap. I forget the exact, like, terminology. So what are they doing? <laughs> are they high? No. So HX <laughs> means me, history. John Wayne? Partic this partic is you? <laughs> particularly shared history as in how well one character knows another. It doesn't mean how well your character likes the other, just how well your character knows the other. It's also asymmetrical. My character might know yours very well, like HX plus two, while yours doesn't know mine well at all, like HX minus one. Okay, wait, 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 wait. This, this makes like absolutely fate. no sense. It sounds like Fate Accelerated, but way shittier. Because Fate Accelerated does something similar to this, but it, but the way it does it, it actually does it in a way that makes sense, and everything in like Fate is actually ergonomic. Yeah, you know? yeah you know, this like... is the opposite of ergonomic. Okay, let me, I, I didn't really want to comment on this, but let me explain a little bit about the formatting of this game. So every single stat is lowercase, and they put a plus in front of it, like the plus sign. So it's plus hot, plus weird, plus HX. Uh, whenever there's a number involved, they put the number in between the plus and the stat without any spaces. So it's plus one weird, plus, but it's no spaces in there. And it's all lowercase. And they do this for everything, including narrative descriptions. Like you can build a gang in this game and they can get things like plus starving, but there are no rules for what plus starving means. It's just a description of them. But it looks like it's a stat because it's formatted the same as every other stat. Sorry, what? This is, this is really, this is <laughs> are really. Are they high? I haven't this been is this the most popular. This this is the most popular indie game in the RPG scene, and it has spawned dozens 
of spinoffs that use this same engine and design philosophy. And it sorry. is. Ac- I'm sorry, but I haven't been this mad at something since I realized that the GW captains were or lieutenants or whatever for the for the for the Marines were monopose. Monopose and thirty dollars each. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> But by the way, uh, the way that you gain experience and level up in this game is you increase your HX up to plus four, and then it resets back down to zero, and you get one point of XP. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of C plus equality. Oh, (laughs) I remember that! (laughs) This this is basically the fact. Red pill me on C plus equality. Oh, God. It's... It's a. It was a. It was a joke, I think, but uh, they basically made an entire Git uh, Git repository, uh, creating a new programming language that used SJW rules in them. Right. Yeah. It's like it's Poe's law because I don't know if it's yeah. fake or not, or if it started fake and became real. I don't know. Well, well, it is real because you can Israel. Israel. You, you can. <laughs> you can actually use it. Yeah. to 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 make a thing but the thing <laughs> but the thing is basically this this chaotic you know you don't know if it will succeed or not no you um, know it's going to fail because you're using it right, right. So, so let anyway, me guys. let me i've got so much good content to pull out of here guys so okay. they, they have a sec the- they have a section in the basics called why to play and uh any parents out there who are listening with their children uh, there's going to be some swearing in here, but I, I have to read it from the book, okay? So, okay. so have, cover uh, your kids' ears with uh, I don't Warhammer think that parents, right parents, are, uh, parents are listening with their children, but I try to keep like the swearing to a minimum just because it's good uh, etiquette. I agree, but yeah. I need to read this from the no, no, actual it's fine to read something book. verbatim. This is okay. fine. It's like a citation. Okay. Okay. This is in the basics. Why to play? <laughs> okay. One. One. Because the characters are fucking hot. Two, because hot as they are, the characters are best and hottest when you put them together. Lovers, rivals, friends, enemies, blood, and sex. That's the good shit. Oh. All right, what? Are they high? Am I high? Is this me, John Wayne? Is this you? What? (laughs) This is from the actual rulebook, dude. The whole book is like this. It's... I mean, I haven't even what, gotten. Is this what like tripping feels like? This this is your brain on atheistic nonsense, on like <laughs> rebelling against the man nationalism. <laughs> so, okay, so <laughs> it's there's so much to pull from this. Um, one of the uh, the bits in the game master devi- uh, section I really like is uh, advice to the game master: be a fan of the player's characters. I am absolutely not a fan of any advice player to the game master. Be a fan, be a of, fan the of the characters. players' characters. So, advice yes. to the game master: be a make, fan of the players' characters. Got it. Yeah, make the characters' lives not boring. This does not always mean make it worse. Sometimes worse, sure. Always, definitely not. The worst ways there is to make a character's life more interesting is to take away the things that make the character cool to begin with. The gun loggers' guns. Uh, don't take those away. That's what makes them cool. I'm I'm confused. Well, explain your confusion. This has all been so clear. Uh, <laughs> so, so they're basically saying that what makes your character unique, you should not remove it. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Because that would be harmful to the the uh, usefulness, I guess, of the character. Um, yeah, pretty much. I don't no, know. to the coolness. I don't get it either, dude. Coolness and the hotness. Oh, right, and and the hotness. Too. And the hotness and the weirdness. Yeah. I mean, I guess this sounds like something we could probably play like a Monster Girl RPG in. This does. I'm not done crapping on the original game, but there is a Monster Girl spinoff of this. Wait, uh, what? No. Yes. Oh, excellent. We should play it. Mongoose. Spin that shit. <laughs> to be honest with you, it <laughs> might it might actually be better uh, than the actual like original Apocalypse. Well, of course, just... everything is better with Monster Girls. Duh. I'll agree. Mongoose's first law. <laughs> It's called uh, Heroines of the First Age, I believe it is, if you guys want to look it up later. Yeah, Heroines of the First Age. But anyway, uh, real quick, so Apocalypse World does not have character classes. It has what are called playbooks. This is basically just a class, but they call it a playbook, and don't you dare call it a class. And these, cl these playbooks are things like the angel. When you're lying in the dust of the Apocalypse World, guts are spilled, for whom do you pray? The gods? They're long gone. Your beloved comrades? Fuckers all. Or you wouldn't be here oh to begin God. with. Or he wouldn't be in here to begin with. Your precious old mother? She's a darling, but she can't put an intestine back inside, so it'll stay. No, you're That's praying for some grinning kid or veteran, or just someone with a heart shocker and a hand with sutures. And when that someone call comes, that's an angel. So, this, in, in this, case you haven't this, gathered, that's the medic class. Is the they call it the angel? This this sounds like an Antifa role playing game. Yeah, I, I'm okay, looking I'm at this heroines of the first age, and it, it just kind of looks lame. And I think we could probably make something better ourselves. All right, if we want to do monster fine. girls, you do you. Do you. <laughs> okay, here's another playbook. I want I'm going to give you the name, and I want you to tell me what you think this class does. Okay, the hocus. Okay. What what does the hocus sound like they do to you? Are they a trickster? Okay, Jack. A witch. Okay, you're both wrong. They are actually the gang leading clerics. What, what? the fuck? They are they they have the charismatic capacity and the uh, leadership skills combined with uh, what passes for prayer. Prayer, prayer to what? Prayer to Satan? I don't, yeah, I don't know. Uh, here's the description. Now, it should be crystal fucking obvious that the gods have abandoned Apocalypse World. Maybe in the Golden Age, with its one nation under God, and in God we trust, maybe then the gods were real. Fucked if I know. All I know uh, is that now they're daddy, they're gone, daddy gone. My theory is that these, <laughs> I, this is from the book. I'm reading from the actual rule book. My theory, is, <laughs> my theory is that these weird hocus fuckers, when they say the gods, what they really mean is the miasma left over from the explosion of psychic hate and desperation that gave Apocalypse World its birth. Friends, that's our creator now. This this sounds like this sounds like the perfect uh, output. Of the entire 21st century, right? That's yeah. That's this pretty is, much sums it up. This is this is literally the like. I mean, like, uh, this is <laughs> this is literally at the at the pinnacle of nihilism, right here. I have no idea what I'm going to call this episode now. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like pinnacle of nihilism. That's pretty good. Pinnacle of nihilism. Uh, uh yeah. So there's, there's so much more. Oh, actually, no, there's one more thing that I have to cover from this book. 
And uh, so every play, uh, so the way they do classes is really weird. Um, or sorry, playbooks. You choose a playbook and they give you like a list of moves, like special moves that you can choose. And these moves are, oh, by the way, the, the most pretentious thing about this type of game is that if you ask somebody, what is a move? The answer is it is a fiction generator. What? A what, move. what does that mean? It's a fiction generator. It generates the fiction of the story. On Wayne, is that you? Is just me? What? <laughs> All right. So anyway, I just had to get that in there. I, I love how pretentious that, and that that term is used unironically by fans of this system. That moves are fiction generators, and in order to use a move, their 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 answer for how you use a move, in order to do it, you do it. That's in the rule book. It, in order to do it, you do it. How Nietzschean. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here's here's the best part though. Every playbook, you got this selection of rule of moves that you can choose. And it's things like uh uh when you open your brain to the world psychic maelstrom, roll plus sharp instead of roll plus weird. And that's that's for the angel. Uh battle babe, when you inflict harm, inflict plus one harm. Okay, so that's kind of boring. But anyway, the interesting things from these uh, different playbooks is that every single playbook has a sex move. What? And these Ooh. are these are we're, moves. We're we're well we're well uh uh we we can we can we can totally we can totally understand this part. I mean, we did review made like three times, right? Yeah, but made made is like actually not explicitly like this at that all. Is, yeah, this this is that for is when true. When your character has sex, and most of these sex moves only apply when you have sex with another player character. This is this is dipping into uh, what is that? What is that? Uh, magical realming? Yeah. <laughs> this is this. Is, we're reaching levels of. We're, we're Dare you enter of, my magical realm? <laughs> we're we're reaching levels of ovenworthy that shouldn't even be possible. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Pretty much. It's uh. These these characters have different sex moves. Like the battle babe has, if you and oh, which by the way, battle babe can be male or female, of course, obviously. Um, if you and another character have sex, nullify the other character's sex move. Whatever it is, it just doesn't happen. Uh, the angel, if you and another character have sex, your HX and remember, guys, HX means prescription or no, 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 sorry, history. <laughs> Uh, history, right? Your history with them on your sheet immediately goes to plus three, and they immediately get plus one history on their sheet with you. Uh, okay. Then you've got other things like the brainer, who's like a psychic, I think. If you and another character have sex, you automatically do a deep brain scan on them. Roll plus weird as normal. However, the, main, the, the master of ceremonies... By the way, they don't have a game master. It's called the master of ceremonies, and you better get it right. Ugh. So the master of ceremonies chooses which questions the other character's player has to answer. This is this is literally role playing with succubus. That one is, yeah, yeah. Um, role playing with succubus. What was that? You don't you don't know what a succubus is? Oh oh, you're just you're better. Like, no, I know, I, I know what you're talking. Okay, I get what you're talking. I thought you were referencing something specific, like as if no. there was some kind of system called that that I was unaware of. Thank uh, the Lord. So yeah, there's a lot of these. Uh, oh, by the way, here's here's a real here's a favorite of mine. If the gunlugger's sex move, if you and another character have sex, you take plus one forward. 
What do you what? think? What do you think plus one forward means? I have no. I don't idea. know what. Okay, it it plus one forward means that they add one to their next roll. Huh. They could. They couldn't have just said that. Yeah, this game is so pretentious that they can't just say add one to your next roll. They have to say take plus one forward. And by the way, there's no space in between plus one and forward. Uh-huh. So so do you actually add plus two or if you take a forward and then add plus I don't know. No, the maybe, no the plus one forward means that you add one to your next roll. Oh. Okay. If you and a, here's the heart anyway, I can keep reading sex moves and all this stuff, but that's that that's this game. And the other thing was I found an article. I just just on a whim, I decided to do a Google search for sex moves in Apocalypse World because I was wondering, does anyone actually use these things? Like, it seems to me like if you were playing a game and they're like, I have sex with you now, that would just be the most awkward stuff. Like, just so awkward that I can't I just can't even imagine working that in, if you'll excuse the entendre. <laughs> so I decided to Google search it and look up to ha- have people use these sex moves. You ended up on Reddit. No, actually, story-games.com. Oh. Which is uh, just about as leftist. Uh, and it's full of people responding, saying that, yes, of course, I've used sex moves. Sex has mattered. In the presence of sex moves, but the absence of sex has been pre- uh, hugely underscored, the fact that the characters aren't having sex. There are big flags right on the character sheet suggesting that they should, and they're not. Uh-huh. <laughs> are you guys so, just so speechless? Ball uh, spotted the incel. Like, that's literally what they're doing right there. Yeah. I, this, Can we make an seems... incel RPG instead of this? No. Like, I'd, I'd rather play that. I don't want to play any of this. <laughs> Was it, is it, well, to is be it fair, be, Elliot Rogers be... Simulator sounds like a better ride than this. Oh, God, no. Dungeons people and that Wizards. Would... Well, the people that would play it would probably be uh, better people, too. By the way, I want to point out that later on in this thread, they get into a heated argument about whether or not rape counts uh, for fulfilling the uh, purposes of a sex move. Ooh, <laughs> that's a good question. It's, huh. not, it's not specified, so they have to argue over whether or not the wording of have sex counts if it's rape. Hmm. Ladies and gentlemen... This is yeah. exactly what, what we were supposed to be doing with this stuff. <laughs> That's what this is all for, yeah. Um, but anyway, the only, reason that I, the only reason I bring up Apocalypse World is because it has had an enormous impact on the role-playing game community, where a number of really large uh, role-playing games have come out of the groundwork that was laid by Apocalypse World. So, for instance, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the game uh, Blades in the Dark. Nope. Okay, nope. what about Monster Hearts? Uh, Still nope. Okay. Uh, there's a few others, but screw it. I, I'm guessing you guys haven't heard of these. But uh, there are a number of, uh, of really big games that have come out of this. And uh, they, are, they, they, they give their roots back to uh, uh, Apocalypse World. Basically, the guy who made Apocalypse World uh, had so many requests that he turned his game engine itself into like a generic thing that could be skinned in a number of different uh, settings and ways. And so it's called Powered by the Apocalypse, or PBTA for short. So a lot of games have been building on this. Uh, things like Dungeon World, um, I think Torchlight had an influence as well, 
But uh, so there's a number of popular games, but a lot Torchlight of them... is in the game or uh, like the video game. No, there's a role playing game. Ah, I see. But anyway, um, one of the one of the ones that uh, I have noticed pop up multiple times on like recruitment sites is called Monster Hearts and Monster Hearts. If you you can even go to its Wikipedia and in the very top. It states, it is known for its handling of sexuality and queer content. And the reason for that is Monster Hearts is based on the uh, Twilight series. It's about... <laughs> no. <laughs> it's no. about It's about like the, the really lamest of the lame monsters like werewolves and vampires and them being in high school. And no, no, they no, have... no, 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 no. Where, vampires and werewolves are cool, especially vampires. The, I don't think so. Dracula yeah. is the Victorian era predator. He literally performs that, that same role. I mean, vampire is just a high class grabbler. Hmm. You can, you can say that, but. I just did. Also, werewolves are furry role players. Hmm. Hmm. This, this sounds like in another life, it could have been a really nice visual novel. But maybe I'm. <laughs> well, so so the thing about Monster Great. Hearts is that you've got all these uh, like supernatural characters in high school, and they have moves about turning each other on, and these and like arouse you have an arousal stat as well, and uh, these moves do not have any respect for the gender of the character you are targeting, so you can turn on absolutely anyone, and this is a highlight of this game. Because it is a game, quote, it is a game about the confusion that arises when your body and your social world start changing without your permissions. You mean like, you mean like real life? You know, like how in real life you can just be like turned on by random dudes, even though you're, you're straight? No. Hey, you know, like how in real life your, your world will change without your permission. Like suddenly you walk down your street and the same language isn't spoken anymore. You know, like that. Yeah, like, like you suddenly uh... hear a couple of vampires talking in like old ghoulish. So now, now this is based in Red Pilled, apparently, right? No, no, the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they mark like a review about this. Uh, it is a game with such depth of emotional slash sexual content, it, and it's remarkably free of sexism. It also doesn't slut shame or enforce traditional gendered tropes of judgment about sexual behavior. Does it enforce updated tropes of, se of gender and sexual behavior? What kind of things does it enforce? Uh, well, what they state on there is it is a game manifestation of real-life sexual dynamics, good and bad, healthy and unhealthy, instead of the rote, heterosexist portrayals of sex and sexuality you might find in other games. Heterosexist. That's actually... I kind of like that. So apparently every other game is heterosexist, so every other game is based in Red Pill. I, I think, I, 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 think I might be one of those. <laughs> a heterosexist you know i think yeah, that maybe. sounds good yeah. sounds about right so so that's what's come out i mean there's a lot of stuff that's come out of the powered by the apocalypse revolution narrative games crap uh and most of it's pretty terrible so our options are D D or apocalypse world and sex moves i don't know there's there obviously there's other options but as far as like mainstream support goes i'd put uh D, D support at like 95 percent, and then like the other five percent is being squabbled over by increasingly gay actors oh no <laughs> <sighs> well, there you have it everybody 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess we should end on an uplifting note. So this is a call to you people out there to rise up and overthrow your homo-normative role-playing game alternative nonsense. Homo-normative. Normative. Yeah. I, actually, I actually like Gamers that. rise up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gamers rise up. Straight gamers rise up. Yeah. Just say no to sex moves, people. Hmm. Good idea. Well, what's the uh, what's the time? Do we have a time check? I uh, about, can't. About two <laughs> hours. Yeah, we're 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 pretty long, uh, yeah. for what we normally do. So, yeah, that, that's we've certainly had an episode though. That was uh, that was a time. <laughs> it was it was an episode. <laughs> I liked just, it. I thought it was fun. You should just of name it. Thought an it was episode. fun. Yeah. <laughs> or 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 a episode. A oh, don't do that. Don't, please. <laughs> My I think that's what I'm gonna do. That's I think that's uh, what I'm gonna do. You're gonna miss. You're gonna have incorrect grammar in the title of the episode that I'm on. That's the meme. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> See if I come back. <laughs> well, uh, right. it's it's entirely up to you if you want to come back or not. <laughs> well, I I did enjoy this. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, it was oh, it was no nice problem. to have you as usual. Um, <laughs> uh, for the rest of you out of there, stay based, stay blessed, and stay straight. <laughs> Don't stay... let any non-consensual sex moves turn you on. And remember to stay heterosexist. <laughs> yes. Yes. I yeah. That's. Uh, I I've gotten a lot of good ideas for my homebrew. Now we're gonna. <laughs> oh no. Oh yes. Oh. I think right, well. I think that uh, that Maidens of the First Age game because I was briefly looking at it just as a brief aside before we leave. Hmm. Um, I'm looking at the I was looking at the Kickstarter and they had some like sample character sheets and one of the characters' fatal flaws was lust and I'm just like, yeah, no, dropped. Well, I know yeah, what you people are about. I, I will say I didn't I didn't uh, sincerely advocate for Heroines of the First Age. I I've looked at it a little bit and it does look a little too fetishy for my taste. So it is, I, it is non-orthodox Monster Girl material, and therefore cannot be. Uh, it's non-canon. Well, I don't care about canon because I. But my point is, it, it does seem to appeal a little bit too much to the fetishy side of the uh, community, which is not surprising considering it came from Apocalypse World. So I'm not suggesting you go out there and check out that game. I'm just saying that there is an option, and it's probably better than the original Apocalypse World because the gods are dead, man. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yep. Well, again, thanks for coming on. We enjoyed it. It was always nice it. to have you on. Yeah, yeah I, I, I enjoyed it too. So we're glad to have you on. And uh, I hope the listeners like this. If you guys uh, like John, you should um, you should let us know either at mongoose.kikimura at protonmail.com or you can hit us up on Twitter at at mongoose kiki or at m underscore kikimora and uh, you can hit jack up at at jack Karanet, and that has two k's in the middle um two i'll k's leave all that three yes i'll <laughs> leave all that in the in the show notes and uh yeah we hope to hear and see from you guys or see you guys uh soon so do do uh do Absolutely. leave us something and don't be a stranger so uh yeah um i guess that's really all we have for today so uh yeah well we'll see you guys later have a good one Thank you.